What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Diggers podcast on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. She is Michelle Majuk. Michelle, first of all, I like that we unknowingly coordinated our sweatshirts today. So I think we look good. I think that's the right way to start the show. It should not be unknowing. I've been wearing this all every Friday because I, I'm apparently becoming you now where I'm superstitious. <laughs> and I feel like if I don't wear this, we won't win. I have to tell you during the NFC championship game, my wife was wearing this sweatshirt during the first half. And I was trying to be chill because I normally always wear the sweatshirt during game. I wear it on Fridays and I wear it during the games. And then at halftime, I was like, dude, sorry, I have to take that sweatshirt from you. I need to wear it. And guess what happened in the second half? Only the biggest comeback in the history of the NFC championship game. And, and Levin keeps poo-pooing it. And I keep telling we all we did on the instant reaction show was read stories from people exactly like that. One guy went in his car and listened in his car, whatever you got to do. And for the Super Bowl, it's at a whole other level. Did you see the video of the guy online that was watching the game from outside of his house? He was looking in through the window because he said, whenever I'm out here, they score. That's the commitment we need from everybody to pull this off. A hundred percent. And I, so when this is what I remember, I was out for the Steelers game. It was the, um, a playoff game against the Jaguars and they ended up losing, but they got there. There was one that game. They lost like 45 to 42 or whatever, but I went into the bathroom and they had like this, they had this one-sided, um, window where you could see out to the bar, but they can't see into the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I watched the game from the bathroom because I couldn't be with anybody else. And I was trying to get the karma to switch, but it, it, it didn't work. Hey, you have to put the effort in, right? You have to try. So I appreciate it. Brandon says, don't take off that sweatshirt till the 12th, Michelle. By the way, if you want either one of these sweatshirts, there's a link to homage. They're the ones who make it in the description of the episode. I have the hoodie. Michelle just has the regular sweatshirt, but they have a ton of great stuff. Uh, they also have like pop culture stuff. If, you, if you've got enough Niners gear, they have a ton of good stuff there. But just click the link in our description because we get a commission on that. And I got kids to feed. So just, you know, pointing that out now. We're going to get to some of the things the 49ers said in their media conference yesterday. It was interesting, Michelle. I felt like there was actually a little kind of uh, holding their feet to the fire in the press conference a little bit about the effort defensively and some of the problems we've seen with this 49ers defense. So I do want to get to that, and we will. I've got some clips that I want to play for you. But before we do, I just want to give a shout out to our YouTube channel partners, Community Tree Service, LLC. If you have a yard, they will take care of it for you. Tree trimming, land clearing, hazard tree removal, home fire hardening, debris removal from the Central Coast to the Bay Area. They have you covered. And estimates are free. So check out their website, communitytree.com. Email estimating at cts831.com or call 831-763-2391. Mention you heard about them from us and that you're a Niner fan. You get $200 off. If you are a Chiefs fan, they will actually drive to your house dump stuff in your yard and leave it there. So maybe just don't do that is all I'm saying. And you can feel good about them because they are licensed by the California state license board license number one, one, zero, zero, eight, one, six. All right, Michelle, I have been taking a deep dive on the NFC championship game. I'm like obsessed with it. Like I'm watching it. What happened with the defense? What happened with the offense? Can the chiefs do what the lions did? And, and my general takeaway is, the Niners had a bad combination defensively of being out-schemed and lack of effort. And that's scary considering it was the NFC title game. I mean, they've been starting really slow on both sides of the ball. They're allowing teams to drive down, uh, especially, I mean, each of these first drives, it was like, it felt like the same exact drive, but besides the Packers, they ended up holding them to a field goal, but they yep. moved with ease, right? And then the Lions actually end up scoring on that big run, but it was, it, it's too easy for teams to start these games in the postseason. And then the offense, on the other hand, is also not putting up points quickly enough. And this is my biggest worry going into the Super Bowl is how fast can the 49ers start? Because the Chiefs have been starting very fast and dwindling off, I will say. It's like their offense looks really, really good. And then they kind of dwindle off and then their defense stays good the rest of the whole game. So that's how they kind of hold on. Uh, but just like looking at the first half of games, the 49ers are averaging seven points per game while the Chiefs are averaging more than double that, 15.3. And then also the 49ers are allowing 15 points in the first half per game and the Chiefs are allowing just 10. 
the they need to start faster. And I, I sent you some of these notes, right, about teams that are going into the Super Bowl uh, with such a bad point differential in the first half. It's not pretty. They all lose the Super Bowl. I have a lot of great research notes to say, like, they'll win. But this particular one uh, showing that they're minus 16 point differential in the first half, it's not a great sign for things to come in the Super Bowl. It's it is a scary combination. A uh, couple comments here. Benjamin Bayer, YouTube channel member, says stats. I was at the game instead of standing and cheering. I sat with my head in my hands, almost in prayer. Not going to do that if I don't have to. And uh, Dware fifty eight eighty three says I actually didn't watch the second half. I turned it off. Wife started getting texts that they had come back and we needed to turn it back. I refused. Wow, it's legendary. Wow. I, I would have turned it back on a hundred percent. I get turning it off. I've done that before in games and I'll kind of like sneak peek on ESPN or something like to see if they're right. coming back. Um, but I definitely would turn it back on. So that's, a, that's, that's bold. That is brave. I have questions like that. Yeah. Were you following on ESPN? Like once you see the, I mean, the game went into the fourth quarter tied, like you didn't turn the game back on in the fourth quarter of the NFC championship game when it's tied up. I would I would melt into a puddle of goo if that happened, not watching the game. I don't know what I would do with myself. No, that would just I could never make that happen. I definitely would be like D Ware here. He he's the commenter. That's his username, where I would probably turn it off because I'd be so sick to my stomach. And I do think that helps the teams, but I cannot not turn it back on. I would I could never, ever, ever do it without question. Um, okay, let's get back to the defense a little bit. Let's listen to Apparently, I'm using the stream for the first time. I don't know how the controls work. Let's listen to Nick Bosa talk about how he plans to try and get his teammates more focused, more involved, more trying hard. Here's Bosa. Just how hard you have to play and how locked in you have to be for the entire four quarters if you want to, if you actually want to win. Um, and I've, I learned that and I'm going to just relay to the guys that, uh, there has to be a diff different level of effort, of intensity, of, um, unselfishness that you have to get to for every single snap that you're in there. Here's my thing. And I, and nobody followed up with them. Like Nick, you're in the Super Bowl. You're in the NFC championship game. If you guys aren't trying hard now, like what's it going to take? Isn't that a bad sign? Yeah, and I don't, it's, it doesn't really come down to trying hard or maybe they're trying too hard and they're not using their brains and they're just going all out and that's what the, is making them miss some tackles or or something like that. Maybe they're too pressured to try too hard and, you know, like too tense. Maybe they do need to just like tame it down a little bit and maybe that works for Bosa to have to be like, I am going 110. You have to still go all out. I don't know how to word this, I guess. Like you need to go all out, but you don't need to put extra pressure on yourself to go all go all out, right? Do what you've been doing all season long because that was working for the majority of the regular season. And you don't want to change up your philosophy and how you play just because of one player like Nick Bosa that might work for him. Effort doesn't always mean aggression, right? It doesn't mean you should just try to sack the quarterback and, and forget about playing the run. It just means going all out 100% on every single play with whatever your job is. Um, Jonathan Bonanno says, who is the JT O'Sullivan of defense? Everyone, including me, seems to be wildly speculating on what's wrong with the defense. JT does those great quarterback breakdowns on his channel, the QB school. Kyle Posey is the answer to your question, Jonathan. Go to his YouTube channel. Not now. This is our time. Um, but he has awesome defensive breakdowns of exactly what's going on with, with on that side of the ball. I was watching them uh, earlier today, as a matter of fact. It's not just an effort thing. It's also they got out-schemed. Ben Johnson's a really good offensive coordinator. It's also they just flat-out made mistakes. Guys were lined up wrong. Guys were taking false steps. Guys were, when they were tackling, they were approaching the wrong hip of the ball carrier. And so then they put themselves in a bad position and, and the Lions were breaking tackles. It's not just an effort thing. I think sometimes we fall into that because we've seen this 49ers defense look awesome early in the year. So we think, oh, well, we know they're capable of it, but it's a different point in the season now. There's more film out on this defense than there ever has been. Guys are not quite as fresh as they used to be. So it's a combination of things. And what scares me is Isaiah Pacheco is just one of those running backs. He's not going to go down on first contact 
second contact. Like he's going to keep fighting. So tackling him is going to be a yes. huge key to winning this game. It's not like he's the the quickest or the most explosive running back. He's really not. But talk about trying and effort. That dude gives. 200,000% effort on every single time he touches that football and like his little legs, they move so weird there. He's different <laughs> than any other running back. And it's not even to say like, he's so amazing. He's not, but if you're not going to tackle him and get him down to the ground, he will make you regret that because he's not going down and he's, he is going to give it his all every single carry. So I will say Pacheco does scare me a little bit in that way, but it also at the same time, he's not going to rip off a 60 yarder knock on wood. He's not that kind of running back. But it's almost scarier because like, he just, like you said, he doesn't go down. Like look at what they did against the Ravens. They did not run the ball quote unquote successfully against the Ravens. I think he averaged like less than three yards per carry. Yeah. But they stuck with it and they just pounded them. And I, he, they're going to use him to constantly put themselves in good downs and distances. And trying to stop Mahomes is hard enough. Trying to stop him on second and five or third and three is even harder. So that is the scary thing about it. Yes, you want to stop Mahomes. I get that. But Pacheco is a huge, huge part of what they do, especially because other than Kelsey, the weapons that they have are not what they have had in the past. Yeah, I will say their weapons have stepped up in the postseason. I think that's been the biggest difference, right? Travis Kelsey all of a sudden looks like old school Travis Kelsey. He went through that sluggish period in the second half of the regular season. He's back. I mean, the catches he made against the Ravens early on in the game, I think that was the difference, honestly, between the Chiefs winning and the Ravens winning because they were able to stay on the field and keep moving the ball early in that game. Like, the, the Chiefs should have never scored on that first drive, but Kelsey made an absurd first down catch. And then that amazing touchdown, like he looks like his old self. And even throughout the game, like he's these first down catches he was making on third down. I'm like, damn, he looks so good. But then also the wide receivers are really stepping up. And I, I heard uh, Levin yesterday say it's really just Travis Kelsey and no one else. Rasheed Rice is no joke as a rookie. He's really good. And throughout the year, he's really stepped up. So He's going to be the biggest point of emphasis besides Travis Kelsey to stop here. And then all of a sudden, his wide receivers are finally starting to catch balls. I think a big part of that is Mahomes has started to really target Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey and try to limit anywhere else he goes. Yeah, and as he should. I mean, that was his biggest issue, right? Trying to spread the ball, and everyone just kept dropping. He had a 6.8% drop rate when uh, targeting wide receivers in the regular season. That was the highest in the NFL by a large chunk, by the way. And then you see MVS finally, you know, he catches that ball at the end of the game, that deep ball to close out the game against the Ravens. That's something he was not doing in the regular season. So it seems like Mahomes playmakers have finally stepped up for him can that continue I do think it does continue with Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey we'll see about the other options with Watson and MVS and Kadarius Tony if he plays I'm hoping Tony plays you know he's gonna mess up somehow can you imagine if it comes down to some play and somehow Tony gets the ball in his hands and screws something up like can you imagine what would happen (laughs) that would be unbelievable if it did occur, Hey, I'll take Mooney ward. I'll put him on rice. There you go. Like I, I feel comfortable. That's a win for the 49ers in my opinion, no disrespect to rice, but Mooney ward is really good. Uh, and he's had a rice is a different kind of receiver though. So I don't know, like they use him a lot in the Debo role. He gets a lot, a lot of short targets. It's a lot of yards after the catch. Um, it's not going to be quite like you're not targeting down the field all too often. I mean, of course he does get some of those, but he's just a really good playmaker. So I don't know how much Ward will be on rice and be able to stop that, but that's going to be an also big key of these, these linebackers tackling or just cannot miss these tackles. Cause rice is a guy that if he gets into space, cause a, he can force missed tackles but then also once he's in space he can take off and bring it to the house so tackling is going to be so key here with pacheco and rice and let's be real 49er fans do not need to see a wide receiver named rice have good games in the super bowl like no that's our thing okay we did it stop it kansas city um tell me about mahomes because on the one hand, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. I'm kind of scared. But on the other hand, like we have a whole season of data. And I'm not saying they're a bad offense because no offense with Mahomes and Andy Reid is going to be bad. But it's a lot different than the offense that we saw in 2019, for example. 
I will say uh, I was talking about his, you know, playmakers stepping up and you see that with his stats in the postseason. He's not the Mahomes from the regular season because I mean, I think we all knew it was his playmakers in the regular season, right? It's not like Mahomes forgot how to play. His playmakers just couldn't catch a ball. And now that they can, it's it's working out for him. Just in terms of downfield passes, uh, that's 10 plus air yards. All of his numbers have increased like crazy in the postseason. His passer rating went from 81.6 in the regular season to 126 in the postseason. That's a 55 point increase. Uh, he's getting it done with Travis Kelsey, like I said, and they always do in the playoffs. And then his other receivers are stepping up. I will say, though, he's still struggling under pressure in the postseason. This is where the mm. we brought this up against Jared Goff. And in the first half, they weren't really getting to Goff, right? But that's going to be key with Mahomes is putting pressure on Mahomes. He stunk. I mean, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, not even just for what he typically does in his career, but like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year under pressure, 60 passer rating, um, 5.8 pass yards per attempt, 47 completion percentage, six passing touchdowns, seven interceptions, just all really terrible numbers there. And that's where you're going to have to get him because when he's not under pressure, absolutely he's going to destroy you he is the goat right but under pressure it's a completely different story when you're looking at the largest drop-offs of passer rating when pressured versus uh under pressure it goes jared goff has the biggest drop-off then sam howell then patrick mahomes and then bryce young i mean those are besides golf that's a pretty bad list to be a part of right so this is where you're gonna have to get mahomes but that was Sorry, that was what was so frustrating last week. Everybody knows this about Jared Goff. That's the one yeah. thing you know about Goff. When you bring pressure, he panics, and he's not the same guy. And you look at that game. Go look at the critical plays in that game. The fourth and two play in the third quarter. When Goff was under pressure, he did not throw a, an accurate ball. Now, should it still have been caught? 100%. But it's not totally where that ball needed to be. Why? Because Nick Bosa came screaming in across the edge. For some reason, he wasn't doubled. I have no idea why. Um, and he disrupted the play. And you look at the whether it was flea flickers that they had or a play action to Sam Laporta, where Sam Laporta has Dre Greenlaw beaten. Like, Greenlaw is chasing him down. And Laporta is open. A little bit of pressure on Goff. He overthrows it. But Steve Wilkes didn't come after him enough in the first half. They did in the second half. But in the first half, it's like, what are you doing? Like, if you're just going to let him stand back there, he's going to complete 70% of his passes against your soft zone defense. And that's what happened. Yeah, they're going to have to make Mahomes uncomfortable. I mean, remember the Super Bowl against the Buccaneers? That's what they did, right? They attacked mm -hmm. Mahomes and he had no time to throw. And it was, I mean, Mahomes did everything he could possibly do. He's trying, he still made some insane plays, but you got to make it hard on him because if he's just able to sit back there, he's just going to pick you apart. He's always going to find Travis Kelsey too, right? <laughs> if you give him time, Travis Kelsey's going to get open over the middle. He's going to find him. They have to they have to put pressure onto Mahomes. Figure it out. I mean, they put so much money into this defensive line. They should not have a struggle getting pressure on him. Chris Waddell, YouTube channel member. Shout out to Chris and all our YouTube channel members, by the way. If you want to become one, it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response. It's a great way to support the channel, and I really do appreciate it. Chris says, I would kill for Mooney shadowing Travis Kelsey when he's split out wide. And then when he's on the line, you can still do that, but would force us into a nickel set. I don't know. Like Kelsey's still pretty damn big. Like it's that's the trouble that he the box he puts you in. He's too big for corners. He's too fast for safeties. I heard actually Luke Keekley with Kay Adams, who had a crazy explanation of the only way to slow down Kelsey. And it's so absurd because it shows how good Kelsey is. He basically said, you can't take your eyes off him. Like a lot of times you'll play zone defense and he'll be kind of there. But then Mahomes will scramble and the linebackers all stare at the ball. They stare at Mahomes. You can't do that because the second you do, Kelsey just sneaks behind you and finds the open space. You have to watch him all the time and you have to stare at his eyes, Keekley said. Like you can't even look at his hands because he's really good at waiting until as late as possible to get his hands up to catch the ball. He said you have to stare at his eyes and when his eyes get big, that's how you have to know the ball is coming and then you just have to swipe at the hands and play through the hands. That's really freaking hard to do. Yeah, are we even sure Kelsey has any like routes? Do they give him a route or they're just like, hey, Go find no. an open space. Like, just go out there. You're just going to run and just go find some open space because it just always feels like anytime Mahomes has any amount of time back there to give Kelsey to get open, 
it's like if if you could just guard him with your best corner, then everybody would be doing it. Right. right. That clearly does not work or else everyone would just do it. It's not like coaches are stupid. Clearly, it, it, that's not a formula for success. But hopefully Fred Warner can do his thing and, and hopefully lock down Kelsey. If you're watching the stream right now, I put up the, the Kelsey route tree from the AFC championship game. There's literally one route where he goes over the middle of the field and runs in a circle. It's like he's playing duck, duck, goose out there. Like, what, what the hell route is that? Like, it's absurd how good they are and just the telepathic connection that he seems to have with Patrick Mahomes. But when you've been playing with a guy for that long, and the other thing with Mahomes, as everybody knows, too, is like every throw is available to him at all times. And the example I thought of is on there was the second fourth down that the Lions went for. Goff drops back to pass. And he thinks it's going to be man and it's zone. And he gets pressure immediately. And he rolls to his right. And he has a guy open over the middle of the field for the first down. The problem is he would have to throw across his body on the run in the opposite direction to hit the receiver. Goff's not even looking at that receiver because he knows he can't make that throw. So that's off the table. With Mahomes, everything is on the table. So anybody that's open could potentially get the ball. That's what makes him so damn hard to defend against. Every play is never over literally until the ball is down. And it's so, so nerve wracking when you're rooting against him. Yeah, that's that's a big worry, right? Because in the NFC championship game, I mean, there's a lot of the 49ers got very lucky, right? Those fourth downs with some drops uh, like the plays. They were good called plays. Guys were open and either golf just, you know, a little bit of a bad pass or the drop. Now, I did say that the Chiefs have had a lot of drops this year, so maybe they get lucky and they they drop it. But you can't be allowing these guys to be so wide open with Mahomes because he's not he's most likely not going to be off those passes like golf was. I did say he does struggle under pressure. So maybe if you put him under pressure, it's slightly off. But at the same time, it's Patrick freaking Mahomes. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like in the biggest moment in the Super Bowl, he's not going to be off. It's just going to be a perfect pass and it's going to be super annoying. Uh, Simon 29 watching on Twitch says happy Friday, y'all. Shout out to the Twitch fam. I love you. Chris Waddell, YouTube channel member, says, yeah, I think they're running the same system that Stafford has with Cooper and Puka Nakua. Rodgers had it with Devontae Adams where they're just running what they want in the moment. Yeah, I think ultimately, like, to always have that to fall back on, like, they know. It's like, okay, the play is whatever the play is. But also, if that don't, if that don't work, like, they don't panic. It's just like, all right, now we're into the good stuff. That's like there's two plays every time. There's the play that's called, and then there's the play that takes place after it breaks down and that type of thing. It's it's going to be a tall order. I am definitely worried about the defense in this game because, you know, I think of the Patriots. And what I always say with the Patriots is the reason it was so hard to beat them is because you had to beat the greatest coach of all time and the greatest quarterback of all time at the same time. And now you've got Mahomes and Reed. You have the best quarterback of this generation by far and the best offensive mind of this generation by far. So they're going to put some stuff together. And that's what you got to overcome to beat them. And it's really scary. And it'll be an incredible story if it does, right? Brock Purdy goes in there, second year as a starter, last pick in the draft. What is it, like his 27th or 28th career start, including the playoffs? If he goes and knocks off Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl when they're the defending champions, like you could say all you want about the Niners' road to get to the Super Bowl, but damn, nobody would be able to discount that if Purdy and the Niners win. I know that's going to be huge, right? Brock Purdy has to show up. It's Purdy versus Mahomes. And it's so crazy. We're talking about Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl as well. Like this, the regular season was so gross for them. They, we were all expecting them to be like, okay, yeah, they'll make the playoffs, but you're going to struggle. And then they did get the Dolphins. So you're like, okay, it's just the Dolphins. But then they beat Josh Allen in Buffalo. And then they beat the Ravens and that defense and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And it's like, what is going on? How are they doing this? It doesn't make sense. Their defense is really, really good. I have to give that to them. I will say their offense has started hot, but it really does. It, it falls off. So if, you know, if the Chiefs end up scoring a couple touchdowns in early in the game, as long as the 49ers, I, they, they can't go down 14 to zero against the Chiefs and Mahomes. They're not going to allow a comeback. It's just not going to happen. But if they can stay with them, I'm not worried about Mahomes and the Chiefs continuing to score. They do fade off. Their offense does not have enough star power besides Kelsey and Mahomes to sustain, you know, a, a ton of points. Levin brought up yesterday, he doesn't think they score 30 points. I don't either. Like, I think if... Wow. I think 21 is where they're going to be. And if the 49ers can put up 
22, 20. Let's say if the 49ers put up 24 against this Chiefs defense, I think they win. I have a crazy, crazy stat about the Chiefs defense that I want to get to in a minute. But Trey, YouTube channel member, has this comment. Trey, I'm sorry. I did mean to get to this. I saw you also put in a super chat with the same question. Thank you. You don't have to put in a super chat to get your comment read, but we always do appreciate it. Trey says, are you worried about Ambry Thomas being a liability? Um, He's probably going to be targeted, but I have to say, he said after the Packers game, look, I haven't really been on the field. He had surgery on his hand. He missed some time. He said, I just need to get the reps again and I'll get back to playing like he had been playing. And I didn't think he had a bad NFC championship game. I thought he was not great. I thought he was fine. Um, So I don't look at him as a liability, although I'm sure the Chiefs will target him because he's of the three corners that are going to be out there, Ward, Lenore, and Ambry. He's clearly the worst of those three. Yeah. The great thing is it's Rasheed Rice and then... (laughs) Right. I mean, you do have to worry. Like Marquez Valdez scaling is going to get open deep and he's going to get a target. But how, how often do they connect? Not very often. And you're just hoping it's one of those times they don't connect and don't get unlucky that they do connect. But that has to be somewhat, uh, you know, in the back of your mind that you cannot let MVS run past you because he is really fast. He just can't catch a ball and they don't have a strong connection. But that, I guess, would be my biggest worry is if Ambry Thomas were to, you know, end up on MVS, maybe he could get destroyed deep on one of them. But that's pretty much as far as it goes with my worries with him. So MVS ran a 4.3740, which is ridiculous. Ambry Thomas ran a 4.4 flat. He's faster than I realized. Like, that's yeah. that's pretty damn good. Uh, so hopefully, you know, that won't be the case where MVS is just blowing by people deep. Uh, Chris Waddell says, I heard a conspiracy theory that Kelsey plans to propose to 50 with confetti flying after they win. Ugh, we've seen, I'm seeing a lot of this, Michelle, and it's it's kind of annoying me. Kyle says, this whole Swellsy thing is annoying. I don't get why people are so annoyed with Taylor Swift. Like, if you want to say the coverage of it is annoying, okay. But Taylor Swift is not doing anything wrong. She's going to a football game and watching a football player. Like, it's crazy to me that people are so mad at her. Yeah, they showed Eminem about 5,000 times during the Lions game, and no one cared then. It's just because she's a strong, powerful woman. That's the only reason why people care. And straight up, I don't want to hear any other reason. It's because of that. She's, like, the biggest star on the planet. Do you think people get mad when, you know, Kelsey's at a Taylor Swift concert and they put a lot of focus in on him? Like, no one would care. Do they? I don't know. I guess it's not broadcasted. <laughs> but I'm saying, let's say Taylor Swift played a sport and Travis Kelsey came to watch and they showed him celebrating and having fun. And like, no one would care about that. It would just be like, guys would love that. Oh my God, guys would love the crap out of that. First of all, if he was at a Taylor Swift concert, he would be on stage like singing and partying with her because that's just how the Kelsey's roll. But I, I don't, like they show her for like one-tenth of one percent of the entire football game every week. Like, Relax, people. You like, see I, enough of the men, man. Good <laughs> God. No one likes to look at men more than men. Good Lord. Like, why Why would you not want to see Taylor Swift? Come on. <laughs> I saw uh, somebody in the chat said Taylor Swift is going to catch a touchdown. Unfortunately, the same person is now saying horrible, dumb things in the chat. So you can get the hell out of our room. I don't tolerate that kind of garbage. I was uh, waiting for him to get out anyway. She should have kicked him out. He was, in, he was ruining the feed. Yeah, well, like, just don't be an ass. Like, it's really not hard. Like, God. Anyway, sorry. Um, <laughs> Seer says, you guys could be brother and sister. Same nose. Love you guys in the show, but why no mimosa? First of all, she has a mimosa. I have a mimosa, sir. As you can see if you're watching the stream. Do we have the same? We kind of do. We have the same nose? Yeah. Nice. Kinda. I have that's a big not... nose, so that's not yeah, great for you. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's <laughs> not good news for you. I have the Polish nose. <laughs> yeah, I've got the Italian nose, so it's apparently they must be pretty similar. But uh, you are, I consider you like a sister. Oh, yeah, 100%. You're my brother. Uh, Trey says, maybe I wanted to hook you up, Stats. I know you're going to Vegas next week. I want you to have some money. Thank you, Trey. I appreciate that. We are going to Vegas next week. I'm so excited about it. Not really excited about spending a week with Levin, but am excited about, you know, some of the guests that I'm going to try and get lined up. Mina Kimes is going to stop by. Mike Golick Jr. is going to stop by. Drew Brees is going to stop by. So we're, we're trying to line up as much as we can. Uh, given the kind of short period of time that we had to arrange all this. But I'm so pumped about being in Vegas next week. I'm so jealous. I'm so absurdly jealous. I want to be there. Instead, I'll be working like crazy. 
Well, yeah, that's kind of important too. Chris says, Michelle is the reason, uh, the reason I don't like the Taylor Swift stuff is because I'm scared the NFL will manipulate things to gain her support and followers because her popularity has a 100% move the needle. I like her, but anything that might cost the 49ers is boo. They're not going (laughs) to. They're not going to rig the Super Bowl because of Taylor Swift. Here's why they're not going to rig the Super Bowl or any other game. The NFL is not competent enough to do that and keep it secret. Like it's not they're It's not that well run. Like, honestly, trust me, what it would take to pull that off. They'd never be able to do it. Can I give you a fun little thing right now about Taylor Swift though? And do you know about her favorite number 13? Yes. He tried to do everything around 13, right? Have you already seen this? Yes, I have. It's ridiculous, but continue. Okay, well, I created uh, the graphic for NFL Network, so if you've seen it, it's oh great, it's your fault, Swifty. Yeah. But like everything adds to thirteen in this matchup, which is like her lucky number. But you know, you have the one seed versus three seed. You combine those thirteen. You have the forty ers Four plus nine is thirteen. Uh, you have this is going to be her thirteenth uh, Chiefs game this year. Um, there's something I'm missing. There, there was a bunch of them, but it, it's like everything adds up. The th- oh, the date of the Super Bowl, February 11th, 2 11, 2 plus 11 is 13. It's like everything adds up. Yay. Like, uh, and people, Property's number 13. People will like go to that and they'll be like, see, see, look. And it's like, yes. So the NFL wants to pull off this big conspiracy, but they also want to give you all these signals that they're pulling off a big conspiracy. Like, oh. and it's not like they weren't dating when they created their, when they put the Super Bowl as February 11th. So stop. Yeah. The whole thing is crazy, but I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think people just don't like the fact that Taylor Swift is getting coverage. She's, has nothing to do with like all of her success and fame has nothing to do with a man. She's done it all by herself. So people don't like that. And it's just crazy to me. And and I'm not like a huge Swifty. I think she has some good songs, but like, it's not like, I just, I don't like the reaction to it. I am. I am a huge Swifty, but let's get back in the game because you know, this is a reason why people hate on Taylor Swift is because we spend too much time on it. So let's talk again about the game. I think you're going to go into a really good note about the chiefs defense, which I really want to hear. Yes, I will. Uh, Chris says the the NFL already has rigged it by putting Bill Vinovich back as the referee, who, of course, was the ref in Super Bowl 54, who refused to call any holding penalties when Nick Bosa was getting mauled and then called George Kittle for a massive offensive pass interference before the end of the first half. I definitely don't love that, but you got to overcome it if you're the 49er. Like, no excuses, none at all. Uh, And as we move into the offensive side of the ball, I think that Brock is just going to have to be the quarterback that so many 49ers fans think, and he's going to have to do it, Michelle, against a defense that is locking people down. In their last eight games, do you know what the Chiefs have given up in the second half per game? Well, they're only giving up three points per game in the postseason in the second half. So I don't know about the last eight, though. It goes all the way up to four. In the last eight games, the Chiefs defense has given up four points in the second half. Like every game, they're averaging four points. That's absurd. That's ridiculous. Like, I can't even fathom that. The whole game is tilted to support offense, to make it easy for the offense to move the ball and score points. And yet you have Steve Spagnuolo in this Chiefs defense giving up four points in the second half over an eight-game stretch, half a season, essentially. Yeah, they're, I don't, they're, they really built up an amazing defense and they have a really good scheme. And, and this is a worry, right? Cause the 49ers have been starting slow and it's not like, Hey, you can't slow. You can't start slowing and start to get a big deficit against Patrick Mahomes because he always wins uh, up, right? He's just, he's not going to let teams come back. It's very rare. And then also in the second half, their defense really shuts you down. So they're going to have to start fast. That's huge. And they haven't been, but also you bring up a a fun little note about the defense. I have one too. So they've allowed 13.7 points per game in the playoffs so far this year. That's the fourth fewest in a single season in a playoff run since 2000 minimum (laughs) three games. But so the other three above them were the 2000 Ravens. They absolutely blew out. Uh, the, I, I don't know opponents here, right? Who did they blow out in the Super Bowl that year? The Giants. Okay, they blew out the Giants. And then you have the Buccaneers, so second, 20, 2002. They blew out the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And then the Seahawks in 2013, they were third, and they blew out the Broncos. And then it's the Chiefs at fourth. 
And the so, Seahawks, like that Broncos team was like the highest scoring team of all time, too. Yeah. Like, let's not forget that. Um, it, I mean, honestly, mate, we're, we, we've spent so much time talking about Mahomes, but maybe it's really the defense we need to be more worried about. Well, so here's the thing that I think is reassuring to me. Uh, and sometimes it works against Kyle Shanahan, but in this case, I think it helps him. To me, the 49ers' success or failure on offense is kind of independent of the defense. We've seen this offense kind of bogged down, even against bad defenses. In the first half against the Lions, like they were not spectacular. They were not spectacular in the first half against the Packers. Like these are not, you know, all time defenses that they were facing. For some reason, Kyle's offense, I keep saying it's like a train. It takes a long time to get mowing. Like they need a couple positive plays to get the train going down the tracks. And once the train starts moving, nobody stops it. But it does seem to take a little, like you need like a, a Christian McCaffrey run to break out or George Kittle to make a big play. And then they kind of get moving and get motivated. So I know the Chiefs have a really good defense, but I have faith in Kyle Shanahan to draw up a game plan that's going to work even against a really good defense. Yeah, it's interesting too, because you think the scripted plays, you know, the plays you go into the game that you, your first drive, second drive, however long they last for, but the scripted plays you think with Kyle Shanahan would be so amazing, right? Because you have all of these weapons, but in this postseason so far, these scripted plays aren't turning into any movement really, or, and no points. And that's going to have to change in the Super Bowl. These scripted plays are going to have to result in scores because you know what the Chiefs are going to do? They're going to score on their first drive. They've done it in each of the last eight postseason games. Longest streak all time. Uh, it, like field goal or touchdown, not just touchdown. Um, but like there was no other team to go more than four playoff games. And they've done it in eight straight playoff games. I guess sooner or later that streak has to end, but you can't expect it to end, right? Uh, so you know they're going to put up points right away. The 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, script make the best scripted plays of your entire life and make sure you put some points on the board early because please don't make this a 14 point deficit at halftime. And not just points, touchdowns, not field goals, touchdowns. I mean, God, Patrick Mahomes has shown you field goals ain't going to cut it. And the, the weird thing is Michelle, that during the regular season, they were the best team ever on the opening drive. They scored more points on their opening drive than any team in NFL history. So like, you would think that they'd be able to do it. Kyle's really good. They have good players. They've done it all year long. But you're right. In the playoffs, they have not been able to cash in in the same fashion. You have to do it because if you can do it, you can stick with the running game. And I really think the Chiefs, that's the biggest advantage the 49ers have is their running game against the Chiefs rush defense. And you can't do that if the Chiefs are scoring all these touchdowns and you need to catch up. Kyle has to stick with McCaffrey, much like the Chiefs did with Pacheco against the Ravens. Don't go away from it because that's your biggest advantage. And when you have an advantage, you press until it hurts. 100%. And talking about the Chiefs defense here, right? They're so good. They're a top five pass, like top five, pretty much all defense. They're really good besides the run, which we'll definitely have to get into that with Christian McCaffrey. Maybe next Friday when I give my best bets. Ooh. I went against McCaffrey last week and lost because I never take less. I never take the under. And of course I lost. I'm never going to go against Christian McCaffrey ever again. <laughs> So that's just a little sneak peek for next week. But I, I have a fun little note here uh, about quarterbacks against top five pass defenses, right? So this will be the first Super Bowl matchup between a quarterback that led the NFL in passer rating in the regular season versus a team that ranked top five in pass defense in the regular season since Hall of Famer Joe Montana faced the Broncos oh. in uh, the 1989 season Super Bowl. Mm, and, you know, Montana freaking killed it, right? In that Super Bowl, uh, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, 146, 147 pass rating, and the 49ers destroyed them 55 to 10. That was a good day. I'm just going to say a good that. note, right? I was pretty uh, that note. I do like that note. Um, and I remember that, I mean, obviously, Bill Walsh is, was a master and dialed it up in that game. In the 94 Super Bowl, Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad, was the Niners offensive coordinator. And they went through the game plan with Steve Young. They went through every single play. And then they got done with it. And Mike Shanahan said, let's do it again. Steve Young was like, oh, my God. Okay. They go through the whole thing. And they go through all the checks and everything. And after they finish, Mike Shanahan looks at him, closes the book, and goes, we're going to kill him. And they did. 
And Steve Young threw six touchdown passes. The Niners have that kind of game planner in Kyle Shanahan. They have that. Like, I know it's Mahomes, and I know it's it's big, scary Patrick Mahomes, and, and there's this machine that just stomps on and keeps winning over and over again. But you can't go into it with that attitude. You got to go into it with bleep you. We're good. And I think that Brock kind of is that guy a little bit on the field, not at the podium, but on the field, Brock is that guy. Oh, and he's that guy. And you know who wasn't? It was Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's why I have so much more faith in this team going into the Super Bowl than I would if Jimmy Garoppolo was back there still. A thousand percent. And uh, Matt Barrows, who also, by the way, is going to stop by the set next week with us, has a cool story in The Athletic. He interviewed Brock Purdy's dad and talked about how Brock became so good at processing and that kind of a thing. And he tells a story about like just the mentality that Brock Purdy's dad has, which Brock kind of has too. the first time Brock Purdy's dad met John Lynch. John Lynch was like, Hey, you play college baseball against me when I was at Stanford and Brock Purdy's dad looks at him without skipping a beat. And he goes, yeah, I know. I beat you three, nothing like (sighs) that's like you got to have a confidence and a swag about you to do that. And I feel like that's the same way Brock is like, when Bosa says to him in the locker room after the NFC championship game, did you know you were going to be this good? Brock responds with, I think I can be better. Like he has the right mentality. I think for this game, he's so incredibly young. He's going to be the third youngest starting quarterback in a super bowl ever. Uh, like people are so underrating what this guy is doing just because he has good weapons around him. But also mm-hmm. can we talk, why is he the only one that gets the credit for the weapons? Like, do you think if Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk were on other teams, like maybe they'd be just as good, but maybe not. And no one's like, well, they're only good because they're with Kyle Shanahan. Why is it that Brock Purdy is only good because he's with Kyle Shanahan? Because people don't want to accept that the last pick in the draft might actually be good. That he might actually be. I mean, Jed York, the 49ers owner, spoke for 20 minutes yesterday, which that's just bet. Jed York should never speak to the media because every time he does, he says things he shouldn't say. Jed York revealed that in the first week of training camp in 2022, Kyle went to him and said, our third string quarterbacks, our best quarterback on the team. The first week of training camp in 2022. Now think about that. That's when Jimmy Garoppolo is there. You're paying him 20 million a year, whatever it was. And that's when Trey Lance is there. And yet that's what Kyle said. First of all, if that's true, that's what you have to say. Kyle said, because he uh, also made you trade up and go take Trey Lance. So you have to make him look better and be like, well, he knew Brock Purdy was better. Actually. I don't like that story. Like it seems really fishy to me. It seems like the kind of story, like, Oh, we were going to draft Tom Brady right after the Patriots did, you know, it seems like that kind of a thing, but also like, okay, let's take it at face value. Why didn't you start him then? You chose to bury your best quarterback on the third string. Like it took two injuries for him to get in. Like, so I I didn't like that story, but look, Brock is really good. He has a chance to quiet the doubters and, and go do something that would be absolutely incredible. If he pulled it off, like Steve Young talks about this too. When you win the Super Bowl, everybody has to shut up for at least that one day on Super Bowl Monday. Cause you know, playing quarterback is all about what you can't do. You missed this throw. You didn't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. But let's move the goalpost. And Steve Young said on that Monday, that one day, everybody's got to shut up. You can't say anything. And that's exactly how it would be for Brock Purdy. It does. This whole Brock Purdy talk is insane. If I see one more person say, well, Jimmy Garoppolo was good too under Kyle Shanahan and look what happened when he left. Can we just have a whole discussion right now? And can you let me vent a little bit about the difference between Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo? Absolutely. I understand both had success, right? And just comparing their Super Bowl regular, like the the regular season going into the Super Bowl. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo had a solid 8.4 pass yards per uh, pass yards per attempt, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, 102 passer rating. Cool. That's good. That's really solid, right? But Brock Purdy destroyed those numbers. Like, <laughs> it's not that it was just like, oh, he had a, a good similar season to Jimmy Garoppolo. He had 1.2 
more passing yards per attempt. He put up four more touchdowns, two fewer interceptions, had 11 point higher passer rating. That's like comparing Jimmy Garoppolo's passer rating to someone in the 90, like 91, 92 that season. That's not the same. And Purdy's the fifth player in the last 40 seasons to average nine plus pass yards per attempt in that season. The other ones were Matt Ryan in 2016, one MVP, Aaron Rodgers, 2011, one MVP, Pat, or, uh, sorry, Peyton Manning in 2004, one MVP, and Dan Marino in 1984, one MVP. And the only reason Purdy is not going to get MVP is because of one bad game on Christmas night. And because it was on the biggest stage on Christmas night, it's the only reason he's not going to win MVP this year. But then also just, sorry, give me a couple more minutes here. Also comparing Purdy to Jimmy Garoppolo, the way that they're doing it and being efficient is completely different. Purdy has over a 30-point higher career passer rating on downfield passes, 10-plus air yards, than Garoppolo did with the 49ers. I'm not including his time with anyone else, just with the 49ers. He's had already 26 downfield pass attempts when Garoppolo had 36 the entire time with the 49ers. <laughs> Garoppolo had 32 interceptions on such pass with such passes. Purdy only has 10. And also, Purdy has about an 8 higher 8% higher completion percentage Purdy ranks first in the NFL since became becoming a starter in downfield pass attempts and completion percentage yards per attempt and passer rating. These are not the same quarterbacks. And then let's talk about the clutch aspect, right? In the playoffs, Purdy has 126.8 career passer rating in the playoffs in the fourth quarter. Best in the NFL since at least 1991. That's as far back as we can go with quarters. Garoppolo has a 28 career passer rating in the playoffs in the fourth quarter. That's the worst in the NFL since 1991. And it's among 74 quarterbacks with 30 plus pass attempts. 74. And Purdy's the best and Garoppolo's the worst. Let's talk about clutch factor there. These are not the same quarterbacks. And if I hear one more person say that, I'm going to lose my damn mind. Ooh, I like spicy Michelle on a Friday here. I mean, look, if you <laughs> that was a lot to get out, and I'm sorry, but I needed to vent. No, Fluffy Ninja says, tell it, Michelle. Sharon, preach. Go, Michelle. I agree. If you're still arguing that that Brock Purdy's not good because Jimmy Garoppolo looked good in this offense, like you're you're not paying attention. Like you have decided to put no effort into your analysis. It's not close. In the 2021 NFC Championship game against the Rams, the 49ers did not gain a single positive yard in the last 10 minutes of that game. That's never going to happen with Brock Purdy. It happened under Jimmy Garoppolo. I watched it. I witnessed that horror with my own two eyes. They are not, it's not about is Brock Purdy better than Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not the standard. It's is Brock Purdy one of the best quarterbacks in the national football league. That's what you need to ask yourself as a 49er fan. And can he be, if you don't think he is okay, but can he be for one day for one game? Four quarters, 60 minutes. Can he do what Joe Flacco did against the 49ers in 2012 and just have the game of your freaking life? That year, Flacco threw 11 touchdowns and no picks in the playoffs. And Joe Flacco is not a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he played like it. He played like it. That's the question you have to ask yourself. That's the only thing that matters with Brock. And I think he has shown us he can do that. And even just comparing their age differences too. Jimmy Garoppolo had so much more time in this league to learn before his playoff games. Purdy's just thrown into the fire, right? And he's shown nothing but clutch factor. Well, Jimmy Garoppolo just always turtled up in the biggest situations. And I think mm -hmm. that's going to be the biggest difference here. Even just not even just looking at their fourth quarter stats, just second half stats in their career playoff games. Uh, Garoppolo had one pass touchdown and three interceptions in his career playoffs in the second half. In the second half, one pass touchdown, three interceptions. Purdy's had three passing touchdowns, one rush touchdown, and zero giveaways in the second half. When it matters the most, Purdy steps up and he's a leader. Garoppolo is the exact opposite. It's to me, it's not even a question anymore. Like, and I kept telling people once Jimmy's tenure ended with the 49ers, like, you don't have to think about it again. Like, we're not going to people are acting like he's this memorable quarterback in 49ers history. He's not. He's really, really not. Brock Purdy has already surpassed anything Jimmy Garoppolo has ever done with the 49ers. And he surpassed it by a mile. So I'm I'm on board with that 100 uh, percent. We got a super chat here from James who says, why do we continue to talk about Purdy in regard to Jimmy? I find it useless. Jimmy was not the standard. If you're going to use comps to evaluate, it's 
is he one of the top guys, not Jimmy? That's literally what I just said. Thank you, James. We're on the same page. I will say, I think uh, where it comes into play here is that Jimmy Garoppolo started this last Super Bowl against the Chiefs. He was the guy that lost against this team, but also just started the last Super Bowl for the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan. We're saying, can they be better than they were last Super Bowl? Do they have the better personnel there on the field to play a better game? And that's where I'm trying to compare the two. I think a huge, massive upgrade at quarterback. And then, I mean, going through the rest of the list, you're, you're, Upgrading from Tevin Coleman. Now, Raheem Oster was also there. So, Coleman and Raheem Oster, who was very good for the Dolphins. But you're upgrading to Christian McCaffrey. Not even close. You're upgrading from Emmanuel Sanders as the wide receiver one slash two, because Diva was there as a rookie. And then going up from to Brandon Ayuk. You're kind of, you're equal there with Joe Staley, Trent Williams, I guess. Um, Williams. And then making a huge upgrade, though, at cornerback one with Richard Sherman. I know he was amazing and a Hall of Famer, but he got be a cooked in that game by Sammy he Watkins. A, he was an old man then. That's completely different. Old man Richard Sherman compared to Traverius Ward. That's also a huge upgrade. Like you can, those are massive, massive differences. And then when you look at the Chiefs side, their biggest one being Tyreek Hill's gone. I mean, that's a huge. You couldn't think of a bigger difference for them. Tyreek Hill not being there when he was there. For them the last time and you're getting a better version of nick bosa who was a rookie at that yeah. time though samuel was a rookie at that time you're getting a better version of fred warner who was in year two at that time i think you're getting a better version of george kittle who was in year three at that time like they were they were young when they got to that super bowl now i think it's a different team i think they've shown that they don't panic in the big moments that they have some resolve that they can come back when they're behind now i agree with you you don't want to get behind against the chiefs but it's a it's a very, very different 49ers team. I don't know that they had the confidence with Jimmy Garoppolo back there. Like, oh, no, we need to play late. Like, they clearly have it with Brock. And I think Brock's going to come out and say, bleep you. Let's go. You're going to get, you know, the Brock Purdy celebrations. Actually, I should show this. Somebody sent this to me. It's a painting of Brock Purdy. That was done by the wife of one of our listeners here. It is absolutely wow. fantastic. He's doing the uh, the celebration. I'm trying to get to my DMs so I can give uh, the proper credit here. I apologize. Um, I can't find it off the top of my head, but well, I'm trying to find it. How heavy is that frame? Because you acted like that was just a good like 60 pound <laughs> painting. It's a regular size picture frame. <laughs> You're like, oh, oh, my little my little man. Look, it takes effort to host this show, all right? It takes brain power. I'm putting all my effort and energy into my brain to be interesting when I talk, all right? So just be nice to me. How about- All your muscles are in your brain. That's right. That's That's not a bad thing. That's good. That's what I got. John Hines, I'm sorry. John Hines is the one whose uh, wife drew the picture. I'm trying to find her name because I don't like when people just say, oh, this so-and-so's wife, like actually name the person. Um, but she drew it or painted it, I should say, and she sent it to me and it's absolutely fantastic. Helen is her name, Helen Hines, I believe. So that's awesome. Uh, I love, uh, if anybody wants to send me anything, God knows I need, uh, I need stuff for the man cave, but I think, um, I need some 49ers stuff. Look behind me. All right. Well, there you go. Hit up Michelle or, or you can send it to uh, gold standard productions, LLC, and, uh, we will get it to you. Uh, JJ zero zero says Rob's arms are tired from carrying the team. That's right. James Listen, Welch I was says, going to answer one of JJ Zero's comments uh, from earlier, and I have the answer to it about Charles Amenehu. But now if he's saying you're carrying the team, I'm not going to give it. <laughs> yeah, there is the comment from JJ. Uh, first of all, love Charles Amenehu, former 49er. Uh, terrible loss for the Chiefs. He tore his ACL. But he was a good pass rusher, Michelle. Yeah, he was. And I will I will give the stat because, of course, I will always give the stat um, if I can find it, actually. Give me. Really quick while you do that, uh, Purdy Good says, what's home fire hardening? I also didn't know that. That's in our uh, our YouTube ad when I read it for Community Tree Service. It means preparing your house for forest fires and how to deal with forest fires. I didn't know it either. I had to Google it, but that's the answer to that question. That seems pretty important, uh, especially if you live in uh, California with all those forest fires. I think you definitely need that. But Charles Amenahu, so yeah, we saw his impact last game, right? The forced mm-hmm. fumble. It, he's he is he turned into a really good player for the Chiefs, a really good signing for them. But also, you wouldn't think this with just a guy like Amenahu, but 
him on off on and off the field this year, there's been a pretty significant drop off of pressure. So the Chiefs uh, pressured opponents on 41.4% of dropbacks with Amenahu on the field. And then it goes down to 35.4 with him off the field, including the playoffs. And then he's had three forced fumbles this year. He's third on the team with seven sacks. He had that huge forced fumble on Lamar Jackson. I do think he's a really solid piece that they're going to miss. Now they still have Chris Jones. Obviously he's amazing. They still have George Coloff, uh, office. Yeah. Uh, he's been a really, really nice second year guy, but you know, missing one of these key pieces on the defensive line that shouldn't go under the radar. Like that's a big piece to be missing. He's absolutely a good player. Uh, you mentioned Chris Jones. I think the Niners need a Chris Jones plan. He has shown that he in the big moments steps up. And I actually heard, I don't know if it was an interview that he gave or somebody was telling a story. I can't remember where I heard it and I apologize, but basically I think against the Ravens, he saved certain pass rush moves and certain alignments for a critical part in the game. They wanted him to do it earlier in the game. And he said, no, because if I do it early, they'll adjust to it, and then it won't be there when we need it. He has a very good sense of, like, you know, the moment and when to step up. He's going to have some of that in his pocket. Like, and we saw it in Super Bowl 54. He got his hand up right in Jimmy Garoppolo's face and batted down two passes, and it was a massive, massive point in the game because it stopped the damn clock. He's going to have something for the 49ers, probably lining up over Colton McKivitz, and it's going to be on them to, to deal with that, or it's going to be on Brock to use his legs to avoid it. And we have seen that be an issue for Brock, right? A lot of his passes against good defenses have been batted down. And then we saw in the Ravens game, how that can be a disaster and turn into uh, interceptions. But then even just, I don't know if it was Jones that hit that ball against Lamar Jackson. I don't know who it was, uh, but the ball flew up and then Jackson caught his own pass. That was yep. just insane. If Brock Purdy's not going to be able to run up and catch his own pass like that and run for 13 yards. He's, he's athletic, but he's not, Lamar Jackson. So that does worry me a bit with those. He is really good with his hands. I will say this is going to be Jones fourth career Super Bowl. He has zero sacks in the Super Bowl in his career, zero tackles for loss, zero quarterback hits, and only six quarterback pressures. So that's two pressures per game in the Super Bowl. You're not going to so, get me to say anything bad about Chris Jones. I'm not saying anything bad, but it does feel like, te- I mean, he's been double teamed like no other this off season as well, or this postseason. So he hasn't, his numbers don't look great They're, I think teams figure out a way to take him out now. And I, I think with Charles and here that it would have been hard to do that. Right. But without him here, then it's just uh, one other guy you really have to focus on. And George Karloftis, instead of having to also worry about a that could be pretty huge here where you are able to double team Chris Jones and keep him out uh, of ruining, you know, Brock Purdy and putting him under pressure. I never, ever, ever root for anybody to get hurt, but it's going to be an easier job for the 49ers defense without Charles Amenahu in there, and that is indisputable. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez says, did you see Andy Reid giving his thoughts on Brock Purdy? I Not only did I see it, but if you go to the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel, you can go to the shorts. I actually have the comment from Andy Reid. So he's a heck of a player. I, I remember specifically one of the Saturday afternoons uh, watching him in college, and I remember the head coach saying, this guy has changed our program. So changing a program, that's something that's, you know, big. And, uh, um, and and that's what he is. I mean, he's doing that in the national football league. And last week he did as much with his legs as he did with his arm. So he, he ran the ball. Well, he's a good football player. He's smart, got a great feel for things. Well, that's Andy Reid. Talking I'm sorry. About. Andy Reid sounds like someone who uh, got in front of his class and had to give a presentation and did like he, he researched two things and that's all he had. And then he had to fill up the rest of the time with nonsense. That's kind of what it felt like there. Hey, Andy Reid, giving uh, giving Brock some flowers that show. I like the respect there. Uh, by the way, if you check out our YouTube channel page, we I always cut up the press conferences and put the funniest, best, most interesting answers up there as YouTube shorts. So go like and subscribe. We are like 80 subscribers away from 10,000 for the year, wow. Michelle, which is unbelievable because we've only existed since last January. So that is just incredible. So if you haven't liked and subscribed, please do click the little bell. You'll get notified every single time we go live, which is every single weekday for you. We do a 49ers and five news update every weekday morning with 
press conference clips and injury reports and statistics and everything you need to be up to date on the team. So please just give us a chance. I promise you, we will not let you down. We will continue to earn your time. 10,000. I want it before the game, Michelle. I'm, I'm geek. I check the, the follower count every day. Let's go. We need to get that. Get us some uh, five-star reviews too, because I love those. Those make yeah. me happy. Actually, you know, I did have a five-star review um, for the podcast that I should have read. I apologize. Uh, let's see. Sick of five minute ads says you guys are the best. I look forward to your podcasts every day. The interaction between Rob and Levin reminds me of how I'm with my friends. Keep busting on each other. It's hilarious. I love all the shows, although I'm a little worried about Michelle. Maybe try straight orange juice once in a while. Hey, listen, I did soda water last week. That was good. <laughs> now I'm back to a mimosa. Chip in Santa Cruz. I appreciate that. If you could leave a five-star rating and review, it, it helps out immensely. It helps people discover us. Obviously, there's a lot of interest now, but we're not the highest 49er podcast on the on the Apple charts, I regret to say. And I think we should be. I think our coverage is as good as anybody. We're going to Vegas next week. Not every 49er show is going to Vegas. We're going at great personal expense, I might add. But we will be there to cover it for you because we love this and and we want to support the audience as much as you've supported us. So if you can leave a five-star rating interview, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Let's get up those charts while the uh, iron is hot, as they say. All right, Michelle, you have a whole week to dig into stats and props. And uh, we need the best version of Michelle Maju next week for the bets for the Super Bowl. Yeah, you did not get that from me from the championship game. But we also didn't get that from the 49ers, you know, so... Let's just say we're both going to be better. The 49ers are going to play better. And Michelle's going to give you better bets. I made like five bets for the NFC Championship game and lost every single one. Yeah, it was not the right game for that. I mean, it was brutal. The only bet I didn't actually make, but I told people to make, was Christian McCaffrey, two plus touchdowns. And you he didn't make it? No. I told I told my wife when he, I was like, oh my God, uh, Stas is just re like bringing in the money with these two touchdown bets. You didn't make it? Yep. I think he's like plus 300 something to get two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, which would be crazy if you hit it, obviously. Strawberry React says, is Michelle going to Vegas? No, I have to work all week. I have to, you know, I there's a lot of interviews on NFL Network that I have to research for those interviews. Boo. Michelle, give them, all the, give them all the information on these on these guys. You got to make them look good. I get it. Uh, Michael Medina, excuse me, says Jed should have brought Rob along on the charter. Yeah, apparently Jed York is flying the entire 49ers organization to Vegas for the Super Bowl. You know what I say to that? Good. He's got the money. Like, I'm not giving him bonus credit for that. It costs him nothing. I mean, yes, it costs a lot of money, but he's a billionaire. He could do it. And you should you, do it. Are you and Levin going to go out and have fun? Uh, I do want to see the sphere. Like, I think I might poop my pants when I see it, if it's like an eyeball or something, but I want to go see it. So I will. I said, are you going to go out and have fun? What's that's fun. I'm fun. <laughs> the last thing I cared to do when I was in Vegas was go see the sphere. Um, yeah. I hope you guys have a fun time. I'm going to be super jealous the entire week. I'm going to have serious uh, FOMO. Zero cash on Twitch has checked in. Clearly a Chiefs fan. He's got the Chiefs logo as his avatar. 49ers are not winning. He is spamming the chat. You know what? I respect. If you want to spend your time in the opposing team shows, like I'm all for it. That's cool. But you're if just you're not jinxing yourself. That's all you're doing. I'll take it. Jinx yourself. Jinx yourself. Jinx yourself. <laughs> if the Niners win zero cash, don't be a ghost. Don't be a stranger. Like, come on back. That's oh, what yeah. He'll be gone. He'll be right. gone. Of course, because that's always how it is. So but anyway, if you want to talk your trash, talk your trash. I'm not I'm not going to talk trash. I'm just hoping for a victory. I don't care if it's by one point or a thousand points. I don't care if the defense gives up 90 as long as the Niners score 91. Find a way. I can't take it, Michelle. I can't take another loss in the Super Bowl. My heart will just fail me. Listen, I've never seen uh, so many you know, Brock Purdy and Kyle, well, especially Kyle Shanahan, like so much on one game. There's so much that goes into how people will view them mm -hmm. in this one game. If he loses, he's a choker. He'll never get it done. Look at the roster he has. Why can't he win the big game? If he wins, he's up there, you know, on hopefully on track to be one of the greatest coaches ever. You know, I, I had the stats on uh, our website, goldstandardniners.com. There have only ever been 26 coaches in the history of the NFL to make multiple Super Bowls. And there have only been 13 head coaches in the history of the NFL to make multiple Super Bowls with multiple quarterbacks. 
And there's only been one coach in the history of the NFL to make multiple Super Bowls with multiple quarterbacks, where one of those quarterbacks was Jimmy freaking Garoppolo. And it's Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Well, you should also look up how many quarterbacks have lost the Super Bowl when they're up by like what double digits going into the fourth quarter, because he has two of those losses. Okay. One was the offensive coordinator. I continue to be astonished at how Kyle gets blamed for what happened to the Falcons in the Super Bowl when he was not the head coach and the head coach was a defensive guy, but yet we're blaming the offensive court. Nobody even knows who the Falcons defensive coordinator was that season, but yet we're blaming Kyle. That's I, that doesn't make sense to me. I will always defend him for that. Well, what about the, the 49ers one? Oh, that's all his fault. <laughs> he, <laughs> end of the, he ruined the end of the first half in that game. If you go back and watch it, even like you can say, well, there was a pass interference on Kittle. Yeah, but they only had like six seconds left after that, even if it would have counted and they would have had to kick kind of a long field goal because Kyle butchered the end of the, the, the end of that half. He was letting time run off the clock when he shouldn't have. So I will say you don't want to, but I know we're going late here, but you don't want to buy, blame Kyle Shanahan's offense or especially as OC, but at the same time, his teams have scored zero points in the Super Bowl in the, in the fourth quarter, zero red zone drives, a 38.9 completion percentage, 4.8 yards per attempt, 38.7 passer rating. Now that comes into the quarterbacks, right? And that's why I was talking about Brock Purdy. So good late. And, but that's also including Matt Ryan. So you maybe say, well, how are we blaming Shanahan for that Atlanta loss? Well, his team scored zero points in the fourth quarter had zero red zone drives like that. That is an issue. That's a factor. Not going to lie. I mean, when you had a 28 to three lead before that, you know, you would think that maybe you could get by, but if and you, Tom Brady, he's Tom Brady, you know, he can come back from anything. You know who else could come back from anything? Patrick freaking Mahomes. So score in the fourth quarter, still Kyle Shanahan, no matter what the lead is score in the fourth quarter. I don't care if you're up by 500 points score in the fourth quarter. Cause if any quarterback can come back, it would be Patrick freaking Mahomes. Let me ask you this last question before we go. What would you be more comfortable with? Brock Purdy, down by four, two minutes left, has the ball, needs to go 80 yards for a touchdown. Or Patrick Mahomes is down by four, needs to go 80 yards for a touchdown. I want The 49ers need to have the ball there. I'd rather be down by four if Brock Purdy goes down with this offense and scores. If Patrick Mahomes has a chance on the final drive, I want, I want nothing to do that. I won't even be able to watch it. I'll be so sick. Like, I can't. I would be so nauseous. The last thing I need to happen in this game is Mahomes to have a chance to come back with the last drive. James Welsh says Mahomes only needs 13 seconds. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like, oh my God. I don't know what I would be. I think I would be more comfortable with the lead, right? I don't know. I know Mahomes is really good, but I, I want my team up, you know? Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to be a mess. I am going to be a mess. It, like going to the Super Bowl next week is in a way it's helping me take my mind off the game, even though we're talking about it. But I don't think about the game the same way I do when it's all quiet and it's just me. Yeah. Then I get really inside my head and I get really nervous and, and it's not good. So that's going to help have me to sit at home all week next week and think about right. it. You'll be really busy like the entire yes. time. So to keep you distracted. Perfect time to like and subscribe. Please do, everybody. Uh, again, so close to 10,000 YouTube subscribers. Please, please subscribe. Tell a friend. Get them to subscribe. Even if they don't care about the 49ers, I'll take the subscription anyway. Please, please do it. Uh, and uh, we, of course, will be live all week in Vegas. Michelle, I look forward to talking to you on Friday before I fly out. Uh, and I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Yeah, I'll be texting you throughout your Vegas trip. And so incredibly jealous. Don't rub it in too much. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye, y'all.